Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, if you turn over Luke chapter 20, we are uh, going to move forward in our study that we've been doing, um, a journey with Jesus, and very interesting place that we come to in Scripture. This morning we're going to see some vital areas, uh, I believe, that God wants us to consider and take gravely serious. And uh, you look at 33 years in a church, and I think we can look at some of these points and say, that's exactly how... It lasts. That's exactly how it goes um, and continues to go, is by doing some of these things. But we come to this section of Scripture where Jesus is teaching his disciples um, some very, very, very crucial things that they're going to need as well. And it's kind of nestled inside uh, of a little bit of a rebuke to some people and some encouragement to other people. When I was a a boy, we moved to Connecticut when I was um, nine years old. I turned ten when we were up there. And in that church in Connecticut that we were going to is the church that I got saved in. And uh, it, was, it was a, a neat place to be. We were there through the fall and winter, not so exciting in the winter. But it was different to see how people in the north deal with winter versus the people down here that we, we deal with winter. I mean, it starts sleeting, and we were like, ready. Are we shut? I mean, what's go- we're shutting everything down, right? Like, that's our mindset. <laughs> it's, there's ice in the air. Stop everything. <laughs> and, and people up north, they're just like, eh. Yeah, I mean, it's just their life, you know, that's what they do, and they just go on, and yeah, I mean, we deal with it, go shovel the driveway, and it's just what you do, and so, uh, but we were able to spin up there, and the, through the spring, and we ended up moving back to Texas as quick as we could, um, <laughs> not, not nine months later, um, but one of the things I, I, I remember that I, I got to experience when I was there was a bus ministry. And uh, this church that we were in was an independent Baptist church and was, you know, on fire for winning souls. And, and man, bus ministry was thriving. And I, I remember as a, as a boy even being a volunteer and going on the bus ministry and um, just helping hand out candy and, and welcome the kids on the bus and, and different stuff like that. And even as a 10-year-old or 9-year-old boy, I remember thinking, man, this is a lot of stuff to do. I mean, this is, there is... A, a lot that goes into this. I mean, you think, oh, they're just bringing kids to church. Uh, but that's not how at least these, these ministers that were serving in the bus ministry were looking at it. I mean, they were looking at it as a great opportunity to reach the lost. And they were, kids were being one. I mean, they had, they had something inside them. But I remember thinking, man, it seems like there's a lot to do. There's a lot of stress. And not only that, there wasn't always the recognition inside the church of these people that were doing so much work and dealing with so much stress. I mean, I got on, I got on the bus, and, and the first time I remember getting on the bus, and I thought, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a little chaotic. It was a little crazy, you know, and it was a real bus. And so it was loud, and kids, you know, it, it was just an interesting experience as a 10-year-old. Um, I didn't stay real long in that ministry. I was just volunteering anyways. Uh, but it made me think, even this morning when I was thinking back on this, that even today, our, our van ministry and people through the years that have been in bus ministry and van ministry, you know, it doesn't always get the recognition of service. Um, and there's other ministries like that, too. I mean, children's ministry, uh, nursery, toddlers, things like that sometimes doesn't, don't get the 
the recognition. And there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of trying situations that come up whenever you're doing these things. Yet though that bus ministry up there in Connecticut and van ministry even here now and children's ministry and nursery and toddlers, these things still keep going. Still keep going. But the question I want to ask this morning is, why would someone continue to do stuff like that? Why would someone continue week after week to get in a van to go pick up loud, screaming, rowdy kids or a bus? Why would someone volunteer month after month to watch, you know, toddlers or preschoolers or teach, you know, kids? Why? Why do people continue to do that? And, and not only that, how can they have a good mindset and heart set about that throughout years? There's people in this church that have been serving in certain ministries for years and years and years, and they, they seem to love it. I mean, it comes with the trials and stuff like that, and, but you look at someone who is just in love with the nursery, in love with the toddlers, in love with children's ministry, in love with music, or whatever the case may be, and they just, they're just faithful, and they seem to maintain that right heart and that right mindset. Hopefully this morning we'll see a couple of things that will uh, be a key to doing that and even help us in our lives. And so let's pray, and then I want to get into this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for what you've done in Trinity Baptist Temple. We know that uh, we're a, a church that has been around for 33 years, and to some that seems long, but Lord, I know our heritage goes back to you. And um, we are uh, so thankful that you've called us uh, to be a church in this age, in this time, in these last days, uh, the last of the last days. And, and I pray that we would take full opportunity that we would see this opportunity as, as divine, that you have called us in, in 2018 uh, to celebrate what you've done, but also to look forward to what you're going to do. And, and I, I pray, God, that our hearts, our minds would be right, just as we saw in the video before this, that uh, we know that we look at this book, we look at your word, and it can become routine, it can become ordinary, but it's way more than ordinary. We know this is your word to us. This is your uh, help in our life as well. And so, I pray that we would soak up everything that is preached this morning, that your word would speak, that your spirit would convict, that you would do everything that you see fit to do in our lives, and that we would just be open to that, God. And I pray if someone's here this morning that they don't have a relationship with you, that they would change that today. They would understand the importance of surrendering their life to you once and for all. And uh, God, again, through all this, we want you glorified. Lord, help us um, to be faithful. Help us to be committed. Help us to be effective. If you give us another 33 years on this earth, uh, help us to run harder than we've ever ran before uh, in the next 33. Lord, we pray uh, that you're glorified now. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have your Bibles in Luke chapter 20. We pick up in verse 45. It says, Then in the audience of all the people he said unto his disciples, Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and in the highest seats, in the synagogues, and the chief rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses, and for a show make, them sell, uh, make long prayers, the same shall receive greater damnation. This, this group of people here, the scribes that he's talking about, were the people that were only concerned and only had the me mentality. They only had the I mentality. They desired what would please them, period. That's how they operated in their lives, what pleases and what suits me? And people looked at them. People looked at these scribes, that they had authority, they had uh, clout, they had all these things, and they loved that. These people loved that. 
They were focused on that. That's what drove them or motivated them uh, many times, I believe, was the esteem of others. What other people thought, what other people said, how people lifted them up in their lives. Again, that's what was fueling them. But the reality and the truth is they weren't really concerned about those people that they were wanting esteem from. They weren't, they weren't considering them. They weren't considerate of them. So much so, the Bible says that they could even take those widows, chew them up, and spit them out and disregard them. And then after they do that, turn around, walk into the synagogue, and make this long prayer and this show of religiosity to display just how righteous they were. I want to say this this morning. God is not impressed with our religion. He's not at all. He, he, he finds no pleasure in that. And so if we try to make ourselves religious even among men and, and people say, oh, you're a really religious person, uh, that's not what God's interested in. God is not impressed with our religion. He's not impressed with the fanfare that other people may give us. They say, man, I really poured out myself for this or I really served this or I, I've been doing this for so long and, and, and I'm looking for this. Listen, God, he's not concerned with how many people pat us on the back or how many people say, oh, you're amazing or you're this or you're that. He's not, again, not concerned with any of that. He's not concerned with, and, and, and I want to be careful to say this because um, I don't want it mis misunderstood, but he's not concerned with the size of this church or the size of our ministries just for size's sake. He's concerned with everybody getting into his kingdom. And he's concerned about people being in a local church. I mean, all those things are real. He's concerned about people being involved in that local church through ministries or programs, whatever you want to call it. Whatever want to call it. But he's not just concerned or just for size's sake. And he's definitely not concerned about those things compared to point number one in, in your notes. And that is the motive of the heart. The motive of the heart. The Bible tells us that God looks on the heart. A couple of scriptures this morning that kind of tell us this are 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. The last part of that says, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, and the Lord looketh on the heart. Many of you know the story. Uh, the, they were looking for a king, and uh, the priest goes through all of the, the, the sons of Jesse and finds none. God said, hey, look, you're looking in the wrong way. Finally, David is the one that is chosen, this small, ruddy little boy, shepherd out in the field. And this is what's proclaimed. But God's not looking at who looks the best or who, who gets the most fanfare or, or, or all those things. God is concerned about the heart. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2 says, All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. What does that mean, the Lord weigheth the spirits? You know what it means? The Lord tests motives. That's what it means. It means that God, all the ways of man, he, 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 I'm, I'm not wrong, I'm not bad. I think this is okay. There's nothing wrong with this. I, I'm okay. I think God is fine with this. God's grace, God's mercy. All the ways of man are right in his own eyes. But God's the one that tests motives. God's the one that sees the heart and knows really what's motivating us. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 3 says, But thou, O Lord, knowest me. Thou hast seen me. And tried mine heart towards thee. You, you, you've tested my heart towards you. Last week, many people gave their heart to Christ. And some people in that service who gave their heart to Christ came to a place where they realized that a prayer doesn't save you. 
whether you're five years old or seven years old when you say a prayer, or where you're 57 years old, a prayer does not save you. Some people realize that going to church, even claiming Jesus Christ as your Savior, doesn't mean that you're actually saved. Some people realized last week that being religious, going to church, even having your name on a membership roll, having been in the baptismal waters, none of these things save us or mean we're saved. It's only when the heart is fully surrendered, fully trusting Christ alone. The song, My Hope is Built, on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's only when our lives say, you know what? I've been controlling myself. I've been doing things my way. I've been going to church. I've been trying to be good. I've, been done, I've done this. I've done that. I've even witnessed to people. But if we've never come to that place where we relinquish control, surrender our all, and put all of our all in Jesus Christ, we can't be saved. Unless we come to that place, we aren't saved. It's that kind of faith that Jesus taught throughout his whole ministry that saves. It's when we get to that point that, that, that a transformation happens, a new birth happens, a new life in Christ is born. Amen. A soul is taken from death and given life, from spiritual rags to riches, from an eternity of torment with Satan, the enemy of God, to an eternity of paradise with Almighty God. That's when that happens. God is concerned with the posture of the heart. He's considered, he's concerned with the condition of our heart, the way that our heart is towards him and towards man. But man, full of pride, we, we get to a place where we're puffed up and we can't receive anything from God. We can't hear the voice of God. We have to understand that the heart is the thing that directs action in our life. You can tell a lot from the heart of a person by the way they talk, by the way they act, and by the way they treat others. And so I don't think so. We read that scripture, all the ways of man are right in his own eyes. God's word is truth. Jesus has already said in our study that it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so if, if, if we have wrong speech or we're saying bad things or we're tearing people down with it that's what's truly in our heart we have to also know that faith and love are also action words when we look at scripture we have to understand they're not just emotions or thoughts that we have well i love them how how do you love them well i trust god how i mean that that's that's what these things are they're action words Faith is an action word and love is an action word. We can't just say, well, I know I don't do this like I'm supposed to. Did you hear what that said? I know that I don't do this like I'm supposed to. Here it is. But God knows my heart. He does. And I would like to encourage you, if that's how you Walk with God. If the, your, your creator, your savior, the one who, again, Nosh and Rachel just sang about, the powerful God who, who breathed out the stars with his breath and, 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 and took upon himself humanity 
to pay the price for our sins forever. If that's how we walk with God, is well, I don't, I know He wants me to do this, but I don't do this. But He knows my heart. We're still good. Nothing's really wrong in my relationship with God. I know I do these things that are wrong sometimes, uh, willingly, knowingly, but God knows my heart. I would encourage you, if that's your mindset, that's how you go. Here's my encouragement. Try that at your job. Try that at your job. I mean, if that's how we interact and walk with God is, 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 I don't necessarily do everything I'm supposed to. I'm not, I'm not trying to do everything that God wants. I'm not, I'm not following Jesus Christ. I, I'm just kind of going the way that I want to go and then claiming his grace and mercy on my life and then just saying these words like God knows my heart. We're good. I said a prayer once. I go to church. I, I, I've been baptized. I, I know Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. All these things, but we're saying, I don't do, I don't follow him. I'm not living for him. But God knows my heart. Do that at your job. Look, I know that you wanted this today, or I know I was supposed to get this done, or I know I'm supposed to be here at this time, or I know I'm supposed to do this or do that and do that, but, you know, you know my heart. You know, I'm here, you know. They're going to say, eventually they're going to say, yeah, I know your heart, and it is not here, you know. <laughs> You're saying it's here, but your actions and everything you do say that you don't want to be here because I've given you the responsibilities, I've, you have these tasks, you have these jobs. It's very simple. It's written out. There it is right there. And, and, and this is what you get paid to do, but you don't, you, you don't meet these things. And so my, your heart tells, my mind tells me your heart isn't here. And so that's what, it's the same exact thing. When we say, I'm following Jesus Christ, but we're not actually following Jesus Christ, just saying he knows my heart. We're not actually following Jesus Christ. That's why James says in James chapter 2, verse 18, Yea, a man may say that he has faith. And he says, And I have works. Show me your faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. That's how you can tell that I believe is by the things you see. He says, Thou believest that there's one God, and that's great. But the demons also believe, and they tremble. That's the reality. There's a lot of people that believe that God is real. There's a lot of people that believe that Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the dead. The demons believe all that. They know that. They witnessed it. They were Satan's messengers even then. But what's the difference between the demons and those of us who are redeemed believers in Jesus Christ? Truly saved saints, children of the king. What's the difference between them and us? We have faith to follow. They're following Satan. Our faith moves us to follow Jesus. That's what real faith does. I've used illustrations many, many, many times, and I'll use it again. You're sitting in that chair because you absolutely have faith in that chair. Some people are so, so, so bold to put their leg up, you know? I mean, to, to only have one foot on the ground, not sitting in a hovered position over that chair thinking, it could collapse at any point in time. No, everybody's sitting full weight on, on, on that chair. Some people propping their feet out and, you know, I mean, yeah. Comfortable, make it. I mean, put your weight in that chair. But that's what faith is. It's confidence, absolute surrender, absolute confidence in a person or an object. And that's what saving faith is. He goes on to say, 
But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Don't you know that faith without works, that's, not, that's a dead faith. And so he explains, was not Abraham our father justified by works? Not that he worked for his salvation, but his works proved his faith. He says that. When he offered up Isaac his son on the altar, seest thou how faith worked or wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And so don't you see how it was evidenced that he truly trusted God when the son of promise was put upon the altar to sacrifice? That was faith. That is faith. And it's the same thing today. It's the same type of saving faith that's needed, just like Abraham. And just like Abraham, today, our motives get put on the line. We, we have moments in our lives that, that our faith is really tested and that our, the motive of our heart is put on the line. What are you really doing and why are you really doing it? Doesn't it happen in marriage? Absolutely. Why do you stay? Why do you stick? Why do you work through it? Why do you, why do you forgive? And why, why? Your motive is put on the line. It's tested. It happens in ministry. Why do you continue? Why do you keep working back there? Why do you keep driving that van? Why do you keep doing that? There's no pat on the back. There's no thanks. There's no this. There's no that. Why do you continue on? And of course, it happens in our faith. It happens in the body of Christ. Everything's falling apart in my life. I'm trying to live for the Lord, but everything's falling apart. Even my health, my relationships, ministry, my emotions, everything seems to be falling apart. What are we doing? The question I think needs to be asked, more importantly, is this. Why are we doing it? Why would we continue why, why, why do we press on? Why does Trinity Baptist Temple continue on in the mission that was given to, to us 2,000 years ago? Why do we continue? I've shared this before. The greatest motive of the greatest person ever was stated, and it was revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. And probably the most popular verse in the world, John 3.16. What is that motive? For God so loved, he so loved the world in its lost condition, the souls of the world. God so loved the world that he gave. What he could afford, no. He didn't give what he could afford. He didn't, he didn't give what he had left over or spare. He didn't do that. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. The greatest motive of the greatest person ever was revealed and it was that God loved. He so loved. Before Jesus would leave this earth in bodily form uh, and, and go to be at the Father's right hand, his mentoring talk with Peter challenged Peter's motive to the same exact one. In John chapter 21, 
It says, so when they had dined, uh, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Do, do you love me more than anybody else? Do you love me more than any of my other followers? He asked Peter this question. And what an interesting question, right? I mean, Jesus has is, 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 is been crucified and, and, and is there with his disciples. He's revealed himself to them. They just had uh, supper of fishes or whatever. And he asked Peter this question, hey, do you love me more than anybody else? Do you, do you love me more than any of these? And he saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. you. You know that I love you. I mean, you know my heart, and, and you know I love you. Look at Jesus' response. He said unto him, feed my lambs. Okay. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Do, do you love me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. You know, why are you asking me? Why are you asking me again? Feed my sheep. He saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? Peter's heart began to, to, can you imagine the mindset? I mean, here, here is, here's the Lord, God, you know, he's already been, he's already asked the, the question of Peter. Peter answered for the group that it gave us the, the, the title of this study that we've been doing. Who do you say that I am? Peter already, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the one sent from God. Peter has already denied Jesus. He's already went back. He's been called back to Jesus. And here Jesus is pressing into him. Do you love me? Do you love me? He didn't ask him, okay, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Okay. Do you want to serve me? Yes, Lord, you know I want to serve you. Will you give to me? Well, you sure, Lord, you know I'll give to you. He didn't, no, no, no. He asked him three times the same question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, and that third time, I believe it began to resonate, and, and Peter began to have to examine in his heart because I think it's easy for every single one of us, just like Peter, if we were to ask this room full of people, say, hey, do you love Jesus? He said, absolutely I love Jesus. Absolutely I love Jesus. But if I kept asking that question, if I came to you personally, and, and it's completely different because I don't have the power, uh, you know, in, in my voice, that Jesus had in his. Jesus, with all authority and all power that's in heaven and earth, those words came through his mouth and into Peter's ears, and it, I believe it pierced his heart that third time, examining his motive in his life. Do you love me? And he said that he was grieved. Look at Peter's answer. He said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. You know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus' response was the same. Feed my sheep. He goes on to say, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy, forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not, where you, where you wouldn't go. 
This spake he signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. And when he had thus spoken, he said unto him, follow me. They would get up and, and Peter would start following him and he would look back and see John behind him and say, hey, what about him? And Jesus, Jesus said, hey, don't worry about him. If he tarries until I return, it's no business to you. You just need to follow me. It's interesting that Jesus in that moment too of, of this, this, this great test of, his mo of, of Peter's motive didn't say anything to Jesus about singing great songs or building great buildings or having great programs. He didn't say anything like that. As the leader of the apostles, as, as Jesus would, 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 would be uh, ascended up to heaven and, and Peter would be left with the responsibility of leading this group, he was challenging Peter to really evaluate. And not just evaluate, but to keep in check his motives for serving Jesus. That's what I believe Jesus was doing here. The motive of Peter's life, why Peter would continue, why Peter would lead that group when they maybe had different opinions on how things would be done or, or go different directions, when, when things really got hard at home, because remember, Peter was married, when, when, when things got difficult in the Jerusalem church and, and whatever the case may be, Peter's motive was going to have to be rock solid. I would say that there's nothing wrong with singing great songs to the Lord. There's nothing wrong with building great buildings for the kingdom of God. There's nothing wrong with having great programs that minister to and minister for the Lord. But let me say this. That, along with so many other reasons, can't be our motivation. I just really want to have a great ministry. Can't be your motivation. I really want to do this and have this and, and, and can't be your motivation. I really want to make an impact for God and, and I want people to, to, to this. Look, look, as great as that is, can't be the motivation. God, doesn't, doesn't God want us to, to do great things for Him, absolutely, but it can't be our motivation. See, His motive would keep Him steady on. Even when the challenges came to his marriage, when, when, when the challenges came to the church, when the challenges came in the leadership, those, those, those other apostles, when, when the challenges came, when the attacks came, when, when people began to mock and make fun of, and, and, and when people weren't showing up and, and, and being a part of, of what was going on, when all these things would happen, when discouragement tried to creep in and even talk to Peter, and, and, and maybe the enemy used the, the guilt of his past and said, hey... Didn't you deny and curse him? How are you worthy to feed his lambs? Amen. If the motive of his life stayed on track, he could stay on track, regardless of what come against him. And the same is true for ours. See, Jesus wanted to make sure Peter's motive was his love for God, his love for others. Please listen to this. Above himself. Above any desire he had for himself, above any thought or ambition he had for himself, Jesus examined and tried Peter in this crucial moment, his motive of his love for God, 
and His love for others. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. Then I want you to do this for others. I want you to think about other people and feed my lambs. Above himself, above his circumstances, whatever the cost. That's what it was examined. We're going to only get to point one this morning, but I want, to, I want you to know this. God, in 2018, is still interested in our motives being right. Amen. He's still interested in our motive being love. And again, it's real easy to say that you love God. It's real easy to say that you love your spouse. It's real easy to, to say that you love something, but love is an action word. See, a marriage doesn't work if all you ever do is say you love someone but never show that love. Pretty soon it just becomes words. And that's what Jesus was pressing into Jesus, I mean, into Peter. Do you love me? Yes, there's the words. You know I do. Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Why do you serve him? Why are you serving the Lord? Are you involved in ministry? Why are you serving the Lord? Why do you worship him with a congregation like we did this morning? Why do, you, why do you close your eyes or raise your hands or clap your hands, lift your voice, whatever it is? Why do you do that? Why are you faithful to assemble week after week, even sometimes two and three times a week? Why do you continue to, to be faithful to the assembly of the children of God, the saints of God? Why do you give to him? Why, for some people, have they given for 33 years out of the, the blessings of God tangibly? Why do people give? Why do people teach his word? Why, why do they continue on in these things? Why do they lead a ministry? Why do you lead a ministry? Why are you still leading a ministry? Why do you tell others how to know him? Why do you week after week look for opportunities to tell people how they can have this amazing intimate relationship with a God that saved you? And why, why week after week are you motivated to make sure that you, you at least can tell one person what Jesus has done for you? At least one. Why do you week after week are consumed with this idea of sharing Jesus with the lost? Why do you obey him? See, if our motive of our life and our heart doesn't stay right, please listen. Then any of these things that I just asked, including all of these things, can wane and be affected. They can become unstable. They can, they can become inconsistent. And they can even stop. Maybe like, well, I'm not consumed about telling people how to know Jesus. I know him, but I, I'm not telling people. I'm not even passionate about that. I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned about joining together with the, I'm not passionate about joining together with the saints when, when we gather to exalt our God together. I, I, I'm, I have a hard time serving in ministry faithfully. I, I make a commitment and I break it. I, I, 
Again, the only motive that will keep us straight in our lives with the Lord is love. True love. That's it. Because if you maintain a motive of love for God and others, the way that Jesus said, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we do that, it will carry us through the darkest of times. It'll keep us faithful in the most difficult of trials. And it'll be the seed of reward for you in the end. So this morning, I pray that we learn the value as the musicians make their way of the right motive of our heart. For 33 years, this church has been in existence and has been trying to do the work of God in this community. And the only reason, as I said earlier, the reason why we still do that today has to be love for God and love for others. The reason why I, I still stand up here and, and, and we go through verse after verse and we preach the word of God and, and we, 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 we preach on sin and we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We continue to preach the word of God and not something that's just going to make you happy or make you feel pup, pumped up and, 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 and lofty. The reason why we preach God's word, though it may be unpopular, is it, it's love of God and love of people. And if that ever changes, or if that motive ever changes, we're doomed. Just like we are in our individual lives. And so this morning, I want to challenge you. What is your motive? Or maybe this question is more important. Where's your love for God? Do you love the things of this world more than you truly love God? And you can answer that in your mind. And we can do just like those scribes did. We can make ourselves seem better, just like Proverbs 16, 2. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord evaluates the motives. What we love, we tend to. If you love your spouse, you'll tend to your spouse. If you love your kids, tend to your kids. If you love your God, you will. It'll be evident. It'll be clear. We won't have to explain that, that I love God. I love Jesus. I mean, I, I love him. We won't have to explain that. It'll be evident. We can't get enough of him. We can't get enough of his body. We can't get enough of serving him. We, we, we love him. But if you're, if you're here this morning out of some religious duty or responsibility, guess what will be affected one day at some point, if it's not already? You're gathering together with the saints. If you serve in ministry or you're serving in ministry and you're doing it just because you want to get applause or because it's what you have to do or out of duty, guess what's going to happen? Eventually one day it's going to come along a trial and it'll affect your commitment to that. Anything, same thing in your marriage. Man, if we, can get this, if we can get this right and start striving for it, there's nothing that can knock us off. That's why Jesus pressed into Peter, do you love me? I'm not, I'm not asking if you're just going to give me the right answer. I'm not saying, do you, do you love me with words? I'm not saying, I'm asking you in the heart, in the very bottom of your heart, 
the reality in your life. Do you love me? And I think that's what God's asking us this morning on this anniversary service. Do you really love him? Do you really love him? Maybe you say, man, I've been knocked off. I've not been committed to the Lord I've, because my love for him has waned. It's been affected. I, I've lost my focus. I've lost the right motivation in my life. And it's affected my relationship. It's affected this. It's affected that. Now, today is a day to get that right. And I want to encourage you to do so. And if you're here and you've never entered into a right relationship of love with the Lord, today is the day to do that. He, you heard he loves you so much. He's not interested in, in, in only you being here. He's not interested in, in how many times a year that you go to church just to say, I went every Sunday. Or, he's not interested in that because he knows if you truly love him, you'll be here. He knows if you love him, you'll, you'll talk about him. He knows if you love him, you'll share him with others. You'll invest your life in his kingdom. He knows if you love him, you will give your all for him. That's what he knows. That's why I asked Peter that question three times. So I pray that our love will be that. And if you've never entered into that, that you'll enter into his love this morning and experience something life-transforming. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate what you've done, but also be challenged in, in our motive, God. We realize that uh, it's so easy with the way that our, our fleshly bodies are for our affections to get carried off to the side and, 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 and our motivation in our life become wrong. Sometimes our motivation is our job, it's money. Sometimes it's our, our kids, our family. Sometimes it's our, it's our own uh, goals that we set up for ourselves. And uh, sometimes it's what people think of us that motivates us. And all these things are wrong motivations, God. Lord, help us to have the right motivation, our love for you and our love for others. God, we realize that if we can get that right, everything else should fall into place. Lord, we praise you for what you do this morning, this invitation. We ask you to move. And we ask all this in Jesus' name.